You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today's show, we've got Jean-Paul Bourgeois back with us. Um, he was a guest from season one. He brought, you know, some really great information to the show. Jean-Paul, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. What's up, DU Nation? I'm glad to be back, man. Awesome. And one reason why I wanted to bring you on and, and something that's cool that I know that you've been kind of in the works with and it's kind of a growing project and something you're really excited about is you do have a new kind of a cooking show project that's going to kick off this year. And I wanted you to be able to explain exactly what this show is and what our listeners can kind of look for um, when they see stuff about the show. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to kind of talk about this. This is the first time that I'm able actually to talk about it publicly uh, to a broader audience, but it's called Duck Camp Dinners. And it's uh, um, essentially what I'm calling the lifestyle of the duck camp through the food we eat and the people we share it with. And uh, we're going to film this at um, one of my best friends, um, Floating Duck Camp here in South Louisiana, whereas where I'm currently having this podcast from. And um, it's a blue collar floating camp that only has that's that's powered by a generator that runs you know showers off of rainwater and stuff like that and so it's not um although i love those the great lodges and hunting camps and hunting spots of uh of north america uh this is not one of those places that has a pool table and a hot tub or whatever this is you know <laughs> you really you really get to know somebody at this duck camp and part of it it was just you know um one, I wanted to talk about the food that we cook being in South Louisiana and the food being such an important part of the lifestyle and culture 
equally as important is the outdoors and that includes hunting and fishing. And, uh, we see those things come perfectly together at a Louisiana fishing camp or, or, or deer camp or duck camp. And that's just something I want to shine a light on and talk more broadly about to a more broader audience. And the reason why I love duck camp dinners, the reason why I'm so passionate about it is not just because it's the duck camp, because it really, it really can relate to people that deer hunt, whether you're in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, or North Dakota, whatever, and you're sharing those meals with your friends and family, or you're at the fishing camp from anywhere from, um, you know, the, the coastal Texas to Charleston, South Carolina, you're really, you're the, the idea still is the same. It may, you may be fishing and not duck hunting in those camps, but the idea of sharing those meals and what you're cooking at those specific camps, all, all are kind of speaking that same story. And I just wanted to tell it through this, the lens of this South Louisiana duck camp. So I'm really pumped about it. Obviously I was born and raised in South Louisiana. So this is something that you know, I've been doing all my life and I think it's very special to South Louisiana and some of the uh, kind of smaller towns along, at least speaking to what I know, the Mississippi Flyway. And um, I'm just really happy to do that. And, um, and you know, I find it, it's, it's kind of, you know, not just my honor to do it, but also my responsibility as somebody who is deeply passionate about cooking, uh, the outdoors and, and, and you know, eating what you're harvesting and so on, uh, about being part of telling that story. And so, um, really excited about that and even more excited about my sponsors, uh, that have helped me be able to put this production together. And we're taking it really seriously. It's going to be six episodes. We're going to drop the first episode sometime in the middle of January. And that's going to go for the six weeks after that. And you can see that on, uh, my Instagram page, my Facebook page, which is chef Jean underscore Paul, you can also see it on Mossy Oak app if you have that and all of Mossy Oak's um, uh, Instagram pages and, and social media pages along with Spiceology. So my bit, my sponsors that are helping me out and thank you all to um, Yeti, Spiceology, Mossy Oak uh, and also Makers Mark for making this uh, production a possibility and believing in the project and uh, having and the again, having the having those, you know, the outdoor brands and lifestyle brands of Yeti and Mossy Oak play with the brands of Spiceology and, um, and Maker's Mark. And, and folding, you know, I used to say like, you know, the idea of a camouflage brand like Mossy Oak has a lot to do, has, this, has a lot in common with um, folks like Maker's Mark because they exist in the same space and that is the duck camp or that is the fishing camp. And so they actually have a lot more in common than than uh, they, I think, even believed until I brought this together. And that's also the whole point. It's just to bring the communities of food and beverage, beverage into the communities of the outdoors of hunting and fishing. And, um, I, you know, it's just, again, my honor and pleasure to better be the person that does that. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And, and one reason why, you know, I'm kind of excited about this whole project for you is we've kind of gotten to know each other. And, uh, you know, last year when we did the podcast, it was it was the opening weekend of spec season, which is almost a year to the day since we're recording this. Um, and I invited you over and I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to come over. And you ended up driving over real early and kind of walked into my little duck camp, which, you know, you found out probably pretty quickly that it's not exactly the Taj Mahal. Um, you know, it's just a... It, 
a kind of a quaint little house, uh, uh, kind of a little farmhouse. And, and we had the door open and bugs flying around. I was standing there cooking. You know, I was making some breakfast mm-hmm. sandwiches to take with us. So I'm frying eggs, doing sausage. And you kind of walked in and you're just like, hey, man, what's going on? And I was like, ah. And, you know, and then we had the conversation, you know, just standing around the camp around the stove, you know, I'm frying eggs when, when you're the professional chef. So I was a little intimidated by that. Um, I thought Hmm. I was maybe doing it wrong or something. You're going to call me out, but, um, you know, we, we talked about that and that's what a lot of this is about, about duck camp and about sharing, you know, the lifestyle. It's not just about the hunting and, and, and fishing. It's, you know, that time spent in the kitchen, which my opinion, and we both agreed, you know, what a better place to, you know, stand around and have that camaraderie and, and that kinship really that, uh, you know, that we do that we're, we we t- kind of take for granted, I guess, maybe as outdoorsmen. And so it's cool that you're going to kind of bring that mentality, uh, to the masses here and, and hope that, you know, really enlighten some people for some of the things that, that we do on a regular basis. And I'm sure you do some of the foods that you cook down in Louisiana and down along the coast and, and kind of bring that to light. So it's, uh, it's it's just a cool project. So I'm I'm, I'm yeah. excited for you and glad to hear it's getting off the ground. Well, thank thank you for saying that and uh yeah, thank you for bringing me back memory down memory lane on my first spec hunt. That was my first spec hunt and like the first time that we got to hunt together. And uh yeah, I, I completely agree. Like the conversations that happen in a kitchen doesn't matter whether you're with friends and family at a, you know, during Christmas or Thanksgiving or you're just visiting your folks at your hometown or you're in the hunting and fishing camp, the conversations that happen around the dinner table, around the stove and in and around, in and around that kitchen area are just priceless. And there's been so many times along, along my path of life where I've said, man, could we have just recorded that? That would have been great. You know, (laughs) just to like, just to have for the memory bank, not even to talk as a broader story. And doing this allows me to kind of tell, you know, tell the broader story of, of just those ins and outs and conversations and the lifestyle of this particular duck camp. And again, the beautiful thing is that doesn't matter whether you're hunting the St. Lawrence River uh, along that Canada, uh, Canadian border or you're hunting South Louisiana, Blackwater swamps. The duck camp is just, it, you know, it, you're having the same kind of conversations with your friends. You're cooking different meals depending on where you're at. I'm going to show you what we cook at our camp in South Louisiana. And I'm just excited to hopefully bring that, um, not just stop at the Louisiana duck camp, but bring it into Arkansas, Missouri, the Dakotas, the West, Co- the West flyways, Eastern flyways or the Eastern shore and so on. And I just think uh, it, there's so much potential to just tell other people's stories. Of course, the jumping off point is here in South Louisiana because that's where I'm from. But as, is, as we hopefully expand that storytelling, that narrative to tell that throughout the country and through all the flyways. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. I'm excited. You know, I want to go back because, you know, we really can't even have, it's hard to even have a conversation this duck season, um, this entire year without bringing up the pandemic. Um, things change, things are still changing. Things have changed throughout, you know, even the hunting communities. Um, but I know we did some things with you back in the spring, kind of when the pandemic first hit and you were in New York city and you and I were going back and forth and you're like, man, I got some, I got some teal and I'm going to do this recipe. And you did an Argentine teal, um, Mm -hmm. on the fire, an open fire in your backyard. And I kind of wanted you to walk us, uh, walk us through that recipe and, and, and kind of get into some of the things that you were cooking, uh, wild game wise, um, during the pandemic and some of the things that you did there in New York city, just to kind of keep the connection, you know, with the outdoors. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think every, 
every hunter and fisherman um, who has a decent year can empathize with me and saying like already seeing it, you know, even though the pandemic kind of really started coming into snowballing, if you will, in March. Uh, and, and then obviously uh, it just got more chaotic as the year went on. Um, you really start working through your freezer after that hunting season and eating through that freezer. Um, and that was a big part of our conversations. And if you remember back in, um, you know, February, March, April, May, there were all these meat shortages throughout the country, whether it's beef mm -hmm. or pork or chicken. And I was lucky enough to be, you know, have a chest freezer full of venison and ducks and fish and, uh, all these things that I had harvested, um, throughout 2000, late 2019. And so I was just working my way through that freezer and I felt like there were so many hunters and so many fishermen that were in that same position that could actually eat out of that freezer. And that often happened to us being in South Louisiana when before all the, like the Generac generators came on board and you just mm -hmm. had like that Honda five horsepower that ran all night to you. So a lot of times you had to eat what was in your freezer because that, that, that generator may have needed to power your radio or your TV so you can hear the news. And so you would eat out your freezer like in all these hurricanes. So I kind of looked at it in the same way that uh, I never thought that this pandemic would last, you know, eight months, if you will, um, where a hurricane may only last you a week or two at the worst. But I thought about it in the same way. I was like, well, we're in this pandemic. I don't, if I don't need to go to the grocery store and come in contact with people or, or just take meat that other people may have needed, I could eat out of my freezer. And that's how it kind of started. I just felt like a lot of people were in that same position. As far as the, the Argent, Argentinian style teal ducks, that was really inspired through my teal hunt, my duck hunt in Argentina, um, in July earlier that year. And, uh, really wanted to recreate that, uh, in my own way, in my backyard in New York city. And so very simple preparation of marinating that duck in a, in a chimichurri, uh, style sauce, which is essentially, and in its most basic recipe is finely chopped parsley, finely chopped garlic, red wine, vinegar, and olive oil, and a little bit of chili flake. Of course, you can embellish that recipe with some hot sauce or some cilantro or other green herbs. But, you know, the, Ar the Argentinian folks down there, they've, you know, it's really those four ingredients, great olive oil, a robust red wine, vinegar, garlic, and chopped parsley, and of course, salt. And so that's really how I kept it. And, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, uh, a lot of hunters will, you know, just breast out ducks, whether it's teal or green heads or anything in between. And that, that recipe was specifically focused on cooking that whole uh, bird in that way. So it's spatchcocked with the backbone out, marinated in that chimichurri style sauce, and then just grilled over that open fire, just like the Argent Argentine folks would do in Argent Argentina uh, with their ducks. And, you know, and when it comes to recipes, you know, we like to especially in America, I feel overcomplicate the ingredients, overcomplicate over what's in it. Because for some reason, we feel like the more ingredients we put in it or the more robust like a rub or something is, a seasoning <laughs> is, the better that's going to be. Where where the, the other the, – most of the world, especially when cooking wild game, especially if it's fresh wild game or fresh fish or so on, they, they have the standpoint – 
which I can agree with in a lot of ways of keeping it simple and letting that meat shine through and letting that ingredient, the main ingredient shine through. And the marinade and what you season it with is just to pair with it, not to take over that game. And that's what I think the, you know, that Argentinian style chimichurri kind of recipe does so well. It doesn't cover up the game. It pairs with the game really well. It certainly breaks down those wild game proteins, which can sometimes be tough or sometimes be gamey, not teal so much. Uh, Mm -hmm. They tend to be the more tender ducks and the more less gamey ducks. And um, but to really just play with that, not to overcome those flavors. And that and that's what I that's the really the kind of cooking that I I try to um, really stand behind, uh, especially in wild game where uh, we can just tend to just overcomplicate things a lot of times. Yeah. And I know, uh, you know, our esteemed, uh, producer Clay Baird, he, uh, you know, I think the day after we ran the Instagram stories on that recipe, you know, I went in the office and where we were talking and he was like, Oh man, he's like, I made that chimichurri and, and it's all, and he was doing it with the chicken. I don't even know what he was doing, like maybe mm-hmm. a pork or something. And yeah. he was like, it is awesome. And I know he may, now he makes that all the time, but I know the first couple of times he had a little bit too much red wine vinegar. And he mm. was like, Oh man, he's like, I totally screwed that one up last night, but I'm making it again. So, so, you know, that's, that's cool that, you know, that we can, we can kind of, we kind of teamed up on that recipe. And I know that, that people out there, you know, took a look at it and really tried it during that time. For all those folks that put too much red wine vinegar in their chimichurri, it's an easy fix. All you have to do is add more olive oil, right? So like the balance between vinegar and fat, it's just like making a vinaigrette. If you were making a, like, you're basically making a red wine vinaigrette with a bunch of parsley. And a bunch of and, and some garlic in there. And so if it's too vinegary, just add more olive oil and that balances. That's going to balance all those flavors. Just a little uh, tip from the chef, if you will. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And then, you know, another one that we, we highlighted um, during what we kind of considered like a pandemic backyard cooking uh, wild game recipes was uh, the, the smoked meatball or yeah. venison meatballs. That was a cool one, man. And I liked seeing, you know, you didn't, I know a lot of people would, would take that, you know, the smoked meatball and, and do this and do that, but then they, but you actually made the red sauce to go with it rather than just have like a jar of ragu or whatever that you had laying around. You kind you made the red sauce like right there on the grill. And, uh, you know, that's a good example for people to, you know, and I'm sure you encourage people to do that kind of make your own sauces, make your own, you know, marinades, things like that. Cause you can use fresh ingredients. Oh, a hundred percent. And again, that, that little red sauce recipe that I use, it's a, it's, it's garlic, olive oil, uh, salt, chili flake, and can, and whole canned tomatoes. And mm-hmm. that's just, again, another example of, um, just really a simple red sauce recipe doesn't even have onions in it, but I use that sauce a lot as almost like a mother sauce, if you will, to make so one, because you have a, such a simple, tasty red sauce recipe and using those techniques, now I can add onions and peppers and chili powder and use that and, and it becomes a chili base, right? And I can add chicken stock and make a soup with it. And so that red sauce recipe that I use and that specifically that venison meatballs, that's one of those recipes that I'll make three gallons of. And mm-hmm. separate it out into into quart containers and freeze it, and then I'll just take it out as I need it. And of course, um, the meatballs, 
you know, uh, everybody tends to have their own like family meatball recipe. I feel like go ahead and use (laughs) your own. If that's what you like, it's substitute venison into it. But that red sauce recipe, it's just, again, another example of how you don't need to overcomplicate that sauce to make it really tasty. You just need to know how to toast the garlic really well. You need to bloom your chili flake in it. You need to have enough olive oil in that sauce to give give the to balance the vinegariness of uh, of the harshness of those canned tomatoes sometimes. And then you gotta season it with salt, which is which is what allows us to taste everything in the first place. So um yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because again, just another example of a simple sauce that is going to uh just pair with the meatballs, not overtake it, not overcome it. Uh, but really just supposed to run in a parallel kind of, uh, uh, direction with them. Yeah. And I know you got my, my kind of head spinning right now. And I'm kind of thinking about, you know, that, that basic sauce, you know, what kind of, how, how could I pair that with, you know, waterfowl in some way, shape or form? And maybe it's not, I don't know. I'm just, you know, what, what would you think on that? Just kind of off the cuff here, you know, how would you approach that with waterfowl? Well, I mean, like if like those speckle bellies that we shot, all right. And mm-hmm. that first hunt. You know, just off the cuff, I'm a big, I love, so I'm a sucker for like, uh, as living in New York, I've become a sucker for these American style, like red sauce places that oh, New York yeah, is too. so well known for and mm-hmm. finding a great veal Parmesan or a chicken Parmesan. I'm a sucker for them. And so in the same way, like take that speckle belly, pound out that breast nice and thin fry it up in some breadcrumb and then take that same sauce recipe that that was in that venison meatball, cover that, put cheese on top and bake it. And then you got a speckle belly Parmesan that is going to, that, that if you have a kids that, you know, um, that like fried chicken tenders or like chicken Parmesan, that speckle belly Parmesan, mallard Parmesan, teal breast Parmesan, if you're going to breast those teal out and make it boneless or whatever that duck or waterfowl is, I would even Mm -hmm. say, I would even say with a good marinade and a good pounding, snow goose and Canada geese, they get a bad reputation for being greasy, gamey, tough, and so on. But with enough marinade and with enough pounding, if you will, uh, to break up those protein structures, and if you have that marinade that's going to pull some of that gamey, myoglobin, red blood out of there, I bet you you can pass that on for chicken in in a lot of your households. And it just, again, just... Uh, it's all about technique and understanding what you're cooking. Teal don't need a lot of marination. Don't need a lot of pounding because because of what it's made up. Tender, usually you know uh, not so gamey. And you look about big honkers. That's a different. That's a different beast. Should not be treated like a teal in a lot of ways, right? And needs to be treated as such. And that is a bigger bird that has a lot more life on it. Usually has a lot. You know, maybe kind of conditions that make it or diet that make it a little tougher or gamier but if treated and that speckle belly don't really have that issue right some of the best eaten waterfowl in the game um so maybe less kind of manipulation that needs to go on with that but i find a parmesan is just a great vehicle for not just chicken but also waterfowl that has that more robust flavors because you know, um, you can use that tomato sauce and use that cheese that's melted on there and it's fried and marinated and pounded. 
man, I am in sign me up for that. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally, uh, I think that's why we get along so well. Cause I'm totally in agreement with the, uh, the chicken Parmesan, the veal Parmesan. I mean, I go around and, and actually, you know, look for, and I feel like I'm, I'm kind of a connoisseur of those, uh, in just about every, anywhere I go. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Go. I'm definitely seeking those out. Let's just use an example is, you know, you're going into duck camp, let's say on some of your travels, you go to someone else's camp and they're like, hey, man, you know, what what can you do with these ducks we shot right here? And let's just say mallards, mm-hmm. you know, just as a general, what's your like quick turnaround? Like, all right, I don't have much time. I don't have many ingredients. Like, all right, all right guys, let's try this. And let's just go with, uh, you know, go with one of your go-to easy duck camp recipes. Yeah. So easy one that I typically, if I don't, if I'm not buying groceries for, and I'm just walking into a camp that I've never been in, don't know what's in the cupboard, don't know what's in the fridge or coolers. I find even like a, like a uh, fried rice or a dirty rice or something like that really works well for me. And for a number of reasons, one, most camps always have some tar- some type of rice, whether it's a, mm-hmm. whether it's like a converted uncle Ben's rice or it's a white rice. I can do a lot with that. Two, say you don't have a great duck hunt and you've only killed, you know, one limit of birds for, <clears throat> for, um, for four hunters that's there. Well, a stir fry, like a fried rice, will really stretch those birds out if you cube them up and you're able to fold in stir fry elements to that. And three, yeah. not just the wild, not just the rice, but the birds, whatever vegetables you have. And I happen to go to the duck camp with a good bit of vegetables because. <laughs> We never eat – you typically don't eat a lot of vegetables at the camp, and I, I like to fold in those things. So I, I'm not like sauteing a bunch of spinach and having it on the side for our dish. I'll have a, like a bag of spinach that you get from the grocery store, and when I make fried rice or, 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 a, or a dish like that, I'll just fold in the spinach into that, and there, that gives your vegetables without it being like 
eat your vegetables, guys. Like I, gotta <laughs> yeah. sneak, like I gotta sneak it in like you would for kids, right? And so I find that stir fries in general are a great camp recipe because um, I can do it quick. I can use whatever is there, whether that's what, even pasta noodles, right? Like dry noodles that you would use for spaghetti. I, I'll boil mm-hmm. those, cool them off, and then stir fry them into like um, into uh, a dish and make kind of like that. And it doesn't have to be Asian, and I've got my air quotes here as I'm on my eye as I'm on this podcast. It doesn't have to be like an Asian thing, right? I don't need soy sauce to make a good stir fry or make a good fried rice. You just mm-hmm. need to better season that correctly. And I think with just with just four to eight ducks some simple vegetables and simple seasonings and you got a bag of old rice that's been in the cupboard for a year, you're pretty good to make a meal for eight, 10, 12 guys. Yeah, no, that's great. I'd love to see your cooler when you head out to duck camp too, just packed with all these vegetables. Cause I know nobody at my camp, everyone that goes shows up to my duck camp, especially with opening weekend, um, you know, they're showing up with cheese dip, you know, <laughs> sausage and maybe some Doritos and, and there's nobody showing up with spinach. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, well, I mean, that's the thing, like, and that's the reason just going back to duck camp dinner is that I was really passionate about making this because, you know, teal poppers and fried backstrap that ha- that's still happen. that's going to happen at the duck camp this weekend when i go there for opening <laughs> weekend but um you know i think there are little things that i can do as a chef just to show people how to fold in some of these little things like because i look and we're all ha- we're all drinking beer and drinking bourbon and eating fried backstrap and the next day like I'm up at 4.30 in the morning and I don't feel that great. And I know the other guy next to me don't feel that great either. And so what I started doing is just folding in some of those, like I'm not a health nut, right? Like I believe in good cooking and healthy cooking in, in, in a lot of ways, but I know that everybody's like that. And also it's not, I'm not trying to be, you know, be on my, uh, be on my soapbox and be like, guys, we need to eat healthier. You're not gonna, you know, it's, it's just, I know how to fold in all those little kind of ingredients to make things a little more nutritious so we don't feel so terrible in the morning or throughout that whole weekend. And if I can do that for people, then that I find that's my kind of that's my um, addition to the camp. In fact, like cooking at the duck camps since I was a little boy has been my role. It's been my contribution. I've never owned a fishing camp. I've never owned a duck camp. My dad never did. He would always get invited to camps because he was he, he was a he loved to duck hunt and he was a good duck hunter. But he all, he was also a great cook and he was the cook mm-hmm. at those camps. That's always been my role. So it's always been my contribution. And even as I get older, thirty six now, and as I get into my late thirties, it's also my contribution just to keep cooking for these guys. And I like to do that just a little more mindfully now. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's a good lesson for all you young hunters out there who are looking at ways to get into, you know, maybe some some higher end duck clubs and get some more invites. Is uh, you know, make yourself <laughs> readily available as a uh, as a good camp cook, and that's uh, that's a way to get in for sure. I mean, seriously, like for all these young hunters listening, like you should. I'm always wondering like how I can contribute. I, it's always yep. been cooking for me, but you know, uh, helping set out decoys, helping pick up decoys. You know, um, you know, being, you know, picking up the spent shells off the ground when you're hunting farmland or how, whether it's, or you're hunting, you know, over water or something, but just like being ready and available to contribute 
And uh, I think just goes a long way, especially with camp owners, landowners, and people who invited you. Oh, absolutely. That's a good point to bring up. Um, you know, and and, and the, probably the last thing that that I'm gonna I want to touch base with you on here, and and this is one that that we may have to uh, you know eventually pull the plug after you uh, after you go on your rant here. But you know, I, I follow you on social media, and I see some of the things that that you promote. Um, you know, some of these fresher ingredients, the different balances of acids and salts, and you know, fats and and you kind of made a comment last week, and I think it was, I don't know if it was on Instagram or maybe just on Twitter, but you were just, you were like, man, there's so many people doing terrible things with food in social media just for the picture. And yeah. kind of elaborate on, on what you said, because we see people do things in social media from a waterfowling perspective that, eh, you know, you probably don't really want to do that. It's not a good look. Um you know, we don't condone it by any means, but, you know, from your perspective, uh, from a, a chef's perspective, I mean, you're seeing people do some some different things and, and for some odd reasons. So kind of elaborate on that for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I remember the exact post that kind of kind of put me on a on a war path there. And I'm sorry if I offend anybody who I'm talking to right now that actually did this recipe. But I, I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to blast anybody out. But I saw a blueberry muffin stuffed sausage roll that was smoked. And it just lit me up. And I was like, dude, I cannot believe y'all are stuffing sausage with blueberry muffins and cutting it open and putting that out there into the world. First of all, like, one, learn how to make a great sausage, period. And it could just be a simple pork sausage that season right. I challenge anybody who's making a blueberry stuffed sausage just to make a simple pork sausage well. And then once you finish that, go ahead and go ahead and make a great blueberry muffin. And I'm not just talking like a little Debbie blueberry muffin, which no hating on that. I love little Debbie and I love the packaged blueberry <laughs> muffins, but it's a whole different game when you start making from scratch blueberry muffins. Learn how to make that. And then you can maybe you – know, it just blows my mind how people will just jump to – it's like, okay, like we've all been in college. We've all known stoners and whatever. Like what? what's the point of like making food like that? It does it, – it one doesn't teach you how to make great sausage. It doesn't teach you how to make a great blueberry muffin. It just makes you <laughs> – it just teaches you like – it doesn't teach you anything. And so – I, you know, when I left Blue Smoke about 18 months ago, what I really miss is talking to younger cooks about cooking. And I'm talking like mm -hmm. the fundamental basics of cooking. And you wouldn't go out waterfowl hunting without, <clears throat> I don't know, having a simple decoy spread or just maybe if you're, especially if you're a solo hunter, not even learning how to blow a quack on a mallard hen call. Um, you know, or, or, or hunting a land that you didn't have permission to hunt. You wouldn't do that. At least I hope you wouldn't. And you shouldn't be putting things out on Instagram that is, is of that, of like that. And I think that what, what, what we see a lot of these Instagram accounts do is like, first of all, they're doing these recipes and they're not even talking about salt in it. And that's like, that was, if you just don't understand how to season food, like, your recipe that you put it on Instagram means nothing. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, for all these people and I, like, I am all for people cooking more. Like I want people cooking every day, 
I don't care if they're using my recipes or a cookbook from the 1900s or a, or, or a, uh, out of your local newspaper, like all these things, like that's all great. But if you're going to be a spokesperson for food on social media, and I don't care if you have 5,000 followers or 500,000 followers, you need to be doing it in a way that is responsible because people do look at you as a source for information. And because of your follower count or your blue check mark, you're looked as credible. And unfortunately, most of y'all aren't. And when y'all make things like blueberry stuffed sausage muffins or so- blueberry muffin stuffed sausages, you just solidify yourself as uncredible to people like me who have worked their whole lives to develop their craft to understand cooking from a very basic and fundamental point of view. I try to understand. I've worked in restaurants all around the country in New York for the last 12 years. I grew up in one of the most storied food ways of in, in the world. And that's South Louisiana. And still I study the basics of what sausage making is and the basics of bread making and the basics of cooking with fire in a very elementary and elemental way. And, um, when you just skip all those steps and go to stuffing sausage with blueberry muffins, you just you you just show how weak you actually are in understanding the food you're cooking. And that is my cry to people who have these big accounts is 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 focus more on your fundamentals because it is obvious to people like me that and that that have just spent their whole lives not on social media cooking like teaching people how to cook face to face young cooks old cooks and learning from the same people um it, it just it's just a slap in the face to our craft yeah and i think i think you hit it on the head with the basics you know so and that's one thing for a lot of um, you know, even a lot of the recipes that that we do, we get some some emails saying, "Oh, you know, this this recipe is kind of basic." But really, you know, that you can you can get the fundamentals and the basics of you know, um, even Scott Layseth, who does our cooking columns for the magazine. You know, he does he's done short videos on just like on how to dice an onion, and I'm like, yes. "Why are you dicing an onion?" And he's like. Man, he's like, this is just the basic. You know, this is what you need to know. If I if I give you a recipe that says Julianne carrots or diced onions, he's like, there are people who don't know how to dice an onion. He's like, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that makes perfect sense. So you know, it is it is the basics, and and I think yeah. that's a that's a good point. To um, that to, that, to I, that point to that point to all those people who are cooking like slicing onions tonight. Think about this: the onion has a grain right that goes from the root to the tip. And you can see it. It's it's a grain, just like meat. And if you cut mm-hmm. with that grain, your onion, like slivers, it's going to come out a different way as if you cut across that grain. And just doing, just understanding that. And I mean, it's that sounds so simple and so like little and insignificant. But when you cut onions for fajitas that 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 you want to make your duck fajitas, you want to cut. I like to cook. I mean, excuse me. I like to cut my onions against that grain, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to make French onion soup, I like to cut my onions with that grain because I want my onion to stay more intact. And if I'm doing a fajita, I want my onion to have more bite through. And, and because that onion is going to break apart easier when you cut it against the grain. So just like even that simple thing, not even dicing the onion, just cut it with the grain or against the grain and you're going to mm-hmm. have a different onion. And it's just like, 
I, I don't know. I know that's not sexy and that's not like that won't get you all the likes on Instagram and maybe you'll only get two, 2,500 views because you're just talking about on that on Instagram. But that's what people need to know to be better cooks. That's actually what's yeah. going to make the difference between a good recipe and a great recipe. It's not how much ingredients you make put into it. It's not all the cream of mushroom or the cheese or the blueberry muffins you're stuffing inside of it. It's actually <laughs> those little things that make the good turn into great. Awesome. Now that's, that's great, man. Those are good points. And, uh, uh, before I let you go, I just want to give you one more opportunity to let people know where they can find, um, duck dinners, uh, this fall. Yes. Yeah. So duck camp dinners, uh, coming to you in the middle of January, we got six episodes dropping on my accounts at chef Jean underscore Paul. You could also check out Mossy Oak app and the, all the Mossy Oak social channels. Spiceology social channels. We're going to break the internet with this, but more importantly, I want everybody to tune in and I want you to just see how I do it at my duck camp because I guarantee you it's not much different how you do it at your duck camp or your turkey camp or your fishing camp. And there's so much to talk about, guys. I can't wait and I can't wait for y'all to tune in. Awesome. So episode one is going to be a blueberry stuffed sausage. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just so kidding. Actually, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser. I'll give you a little teaser. Episode awesome. one will be a pool do or a coot gumbo. And the reason why, oh, cool. because not a lot of people cook pool do, but in, when I was a little kid, when we had bad duck hunts, my dad would take us and go creep up on pool do. And we would make a gumbo with that because not all duck hunts end up with piles of birds, guys. And sometimes when you want to eat that night, even though we were fine, we didn't need to shoot ducks to eat that night. But we wanted to come home with, with, with something for the dinner table. And when we didn't shoot well on, on ducks for the day, we found some pool dew kind of in the, in the neighboring ponds. Take home a few of those. And I'm going to show you how to make my pool dew, smoke pool dew and andouille gumbo on Duck Camp Dinners, episode one. That's very cool. And for those of you not in South Louisiana, the pool dew is a coot. So yes. that'll be an exciting yes. episode. I look forward to it. Uh, people should check it out for sure. Uh, Jean-Paul, thanks for joining me. This has been fantastic. Chris, you're the man. Thank you so much. And DU Nation, I'll talk to you all soon. I'd like to thank Jean-Paul Bourgeois for joining us today and bringing some information about his new Duck Camp dinner show that's going to be coming out later this fall and early into 2021. I'd like to thank Clay Baird for doing a great job getting the podcast out to you guys. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 